Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, it's action, drama and excitement all the way here in Belfast as we bring you the news, views and the results of sport in Northern Ireland. We start with soccer and let's go straight away to the results of the auto windshield, windscreen, wiper, fluid, Irish League Division 1. Glentoran nil, Portadown nil, Coleraine nil, Lomavadding nil, Dungannon nil, Ards nil. That match was abandoned due to no one showing up. Glenavon nil, Bangor nil, and Crusaders versus Distillery was a late kickoff. That late kickoff due to crowd congestion down at the Limavati Leisure Centre, where CIYMS were taking on NIFC in the CDP sponsored TSB League. CIYMS just going on to shade that one by a consonant. Turning now to GII in the interest of meaningful dialogue and progress. The scores in Division 1i, London Derry, one goal and eight points. Down, no goals at all, but 11 points. Close one there. Armagh, two the goals and six points. Antrim, two goals and no points. Donegal, three goals and three points. Fermanagh, only two the goals and 12 points. Hard luck, Fermanagh. They are allegedly the GII results, but we've heard this all before, so how can we be expected to believe them without any conclusive photographic evidence? <laughs> One last score coming in there. Yes, it's Tyrone, 10 kicks and 5 slaps and no suspensions. Dublin, 12 digs, 4 loafs and no suspensions. Well, on to hockey now, and there was certainly no shortage of breathtaking action in the intermediate under-19s. Co-op Superstore Cup down at the Cookstown Leisure Centre, where Estonians took on the might of Queens in the semi-final. Well, Inst went into this semi-final knowing that they needed to win this game if they wanted to make the final. Queens, however, went into the game knowing exactly the same thing. In the end, that turned out to be the difference between the two teams. None at all. And Stonians nil, Queens nil. They'll have to do it all over again next week. Welcome to Free State, everybody. Joe is mouthing along with me as I speak. He seems to be so certain he knows what I'm going to say that he's just... uh, lip syncing um but uh who knows i might say something that he doesn't expect joe we're going to talk about a, f- a few things today but it's funny one of the things that struck me over over the weekend um was the 
death of Stan Bowles because I know he's the type of footballer, type of personality that would uh, have captured your kind of imagination. Like I, uh, I interviewed Stan Bowles once. I've talked about that on a podcast before, but he was he was extraordinary because he was uh, <laughs> in that interview. He was um, he had an autobiography out, which was a hilarious book, a really hilarious book about just capers and London life and, uh, you know, hanging out with Phil Linnett and various things. It was nothing about football and it was all the better for that. But he was publicizing his own autobiography. And when I arrived in the pub in Brentford, which is, he was in, a, he was, he, there was, a, there was a famous, there was a pub on every corner of the old Brentford football club ground where Stan finished his career. And he was waiting for me in another pub which he called his office, but I was in I was in the pub which he went to, uh, where he went to unwind. So I was in the wrong. I hadn't gone to his office. So anyway, he made his way around the pubs. <laughs> he did. He did. And you everyone was a, really. You know the way a dog pees on the pees on every tree it goes past. You know yeah. he, he sort of. <laughs> but he, uh, he yeah. fired out of one pub. You but see, nobody could. Everyone, yeah, and but they couldn't. Everyone knew him in the pub, and they were all baffled that he was late. It was like noon on a kind of Wednesday. And nobody could understand why he's late. They were like, Stan's never late. He's never late for anything. And I figured that that probably came from all his betting, you know, because you couldn't be late if you've got to get a bet on. So uh, he um, he showed up uh, about half an hour late anyway. And as I said, this was to promote his own autobiography. He then asked me, would I be prepared to uh, pay him to pay him to 200 quid for the interview? Uh, which was, you know, had been set up like, on his side to do it. Uh, what, what, year, what year was this? This was about, this was about 20 years ago. Um, 200 quid. 200 quid. And so we, we, we came to an arrangement on that and he did the interview and uh, it was great. But he was like, you know, it's just one of those things when you read without falling uh totally into into nostalgia it's very hard when you read about Stan Bowles like there he, he I remember he talked about this when uh, he hated he he, he hated uh, he did superstars you remember superstars the 1970s program where they, they all different oh, sportsmen yes, did the, different the, sports the one, the one that Pat did. yeah yeah and there was the famous judo guy Brian Jacks who was the kind of uh, who was the winner of it Um and it was for, you know, it was for all round sports people, like people who were excelled at everything. Stan Bowles famously got the lowest score ever in <laughs> Superstars because he went there and it was made by the BBC and he spent the entire uh, recording session just drinking and, and eating at the BBC's expense. So we could barely get on the bike when uh, it came to... Um, he came to even to, to those races. So he was... Uh, he was sort of England's Georgie best. He was, and he was, he was uh, from Manchester. Lots of people thought he was kind of from London because he made his name with QPR, and uh, he had a great time. He used to hang around all the Irish pubs, and like there's a fame, there's a picture of him. He took uh, while he was while he was um, waiting to for a, a corner to be taken. Once he took a, he took a copy of the Sporting Life out of someone's hands who were on the terraces to see what time, you know, the horse he, he fancied was running. So there's a picture of him reading The Sporting Life as he kind of has his hand on the on the goalpost. But he uh, 
he was an amazing character. And I remember him saying to me, and this was the thing he said, I think that that was, he hadn't played in 25 years or something. And he said to me at the end of it, he said, people still remember me. I haven't played in 25 years and that's amazing. And uh, it's funny that he hasn't played in you know, so long now and people still remember him this week. Well, I mean, you always remember those, um, you know, Maradona best because there's something deeply human about all of them. You know, there's nothing robotic. They are the embodiment of romance and glory. I suppose all the things that uh, that make us dream a bit. And, uh, you know, the, the, guy, the guy who prefers to take a free kick by having it flicked up and then trying an overhead kick to the one mm. that sort of rehearses endlessly the same free kick over and over and over and over and over and over again. And uh and you know that's these are these these are the unforgettable people, you know, who make a mark. Well the, the interesting thing about that this weekend of course as well is that when we talk about someone like that and we talk about how sport unites, it also can divide. And we're looking at a situation with Caseman Park in uh <laughs> the north um which we want to talk about today because it 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 touches on a lot of bigger themes and in some ways the fact that it reaches those bigger themes means sometimes you might actually there there is probably a debate to be had about what is happening with the redevelopment of Casement Park for the Euros um it's, that doesn't become part of the culture wars but it has become part of the culture wars in the well, north it's it's, it's um it, it's Typical of of uh, everything in the north, you know. Um, I mean, see, this week in the newsletter, Ben Lowry, who's their editor, Belfast's extremist policy on Irish street signs is unfolding just as Republicans wanted it to unfold. <laughs> this is this is about bilingual street signs. Belfast now has an extremist and divisive street sign policy intended to make people from a unionist background uncomfortable. And what difference is there? You know, it's described as part of a Republican culture war, he says, that has the support of people in the political centre ground and even some unionists. Uh, people who naively deny there is such a war being waged by Republicans and, it's, and insist that the usage of Gaelic as harmless and uh, you know this sort of hateful rhetoric you know the intention is this to Gaelicize the feel of Belfast and, and this is my favourite line and to end any sense that overseas visitors have of arriving in a classically British industrial city <laughs> distinct in feel to Dublin brackets tourists often liken us to Leeds <laughs> Jesus <laughs> and uh this is a foretaste of where the Irish language act will lead and why the Ulster Unionist Party was right to oppose it. You know, It is extremist and provocative. Are and, you doing your uh, Ian Paisley impression there? Well, because, I mean, it's, 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 nothing has changed really from that perspective. I believe that the overall Irish Republican aim is to make it possible for Gaelic activists to get signs into areas everywhere. Uh uh, and, and now the main parties are quiet or so terrified are they have been unfairly labelled bigots. Mm. <laughs> and, and this is a thread 
you know that 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 we've had to put up with. I mean, this is this is. Uh, I mean, I see this week they've released archives of of the uh, coal glass protests. Uh, what were they? Was, well, that was in the in the late seventies. A decision was made; it had to be made by government, central government, to say, look, um, so many people in West Belfast are living in slums, with outdoor toilets, you know, crumbling walls. You know, large families in 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 two up, two down houses. You know, and a decision was made then to move them to a green field site in Polglass. They'd already done this with an estate in Twinbrook, and so Polglass, out on the sort of outer outskirts of West Belfast, was announced as the location for this. And uh, the Reverend Beatty, who was a sort of a blood and thunder. Loyalist, joined by Dr. Paisley, etc. They organized protests all over the north to smash this Republican scheme to build a, a Republican stronghold in Polglas. And listening to to the clips from that time, you know, will be very stark on the ears of our younger listeners. Hmm. In spite of all the bluster, the first pole glass housing will be ready in September. It seems a defeat for the loyalists. We took this up with the leader of the anti-pole glass marches, the Reverend William Beatty. Did you say in 1976, in November, pole glass will be stopped? I did indeed, yes. You were wrong, weren't you? Uh, we have succeeded in stopping pole glass as a overall plan. We have not succeeded in stopping a number of houses being built. The battle goes on, and when it stops, it stops. It must seem to some that you threaten to smash pole glass and use this very heavy language, but meanwhile, out there on the hillside, the houses just go on going up. 4,000 houses are not being built but and will never be built. And it's a big question now as to whether the 2,000 will be built. So the pole glass plan, as it was presented to us, is already well and truly cracked up, and the battle goes on. After the Loyalists' success in getting the original pole glass scheme halved, they've made little headway. The government now seems determined to go ahead with its scheme to move overcrowded Catholic families from West Belfast to pole glass. But Mr Beatty still believes he can break the government's resolve. You were quoted as saying in 1978, with regard to pole glass, we are going to kick the stuffing out of the government. Do you think that's happened? Yes, indeed. Uh, the government uh, are already beginning to backtrack. For example, there will be no police station built in pole glass. That's already abandoned. For example, the health centre that was planned originally is now abandoned. For example, no doctor's surgeries are going to be put in pole glass. No dental surgeries are going to be put in pole glass. Right down the line, there's a whole list of things that have been abandoned, and more will be abandoned as we push the government's nose into the mess that they have made. And very similar to, you know, what's happening in relation to Casement Park. I mean, Casement Park is an issue that is only an issue because of the sectarian nature of the North. And I don't know if you've seen the promos for a documentary that's running on BBC4, not in the main channels, but on BBC4 next week. Uh, and the promo is headlined, 
the bloody Protestants ran BBC in Northern Ireland, says ex BBC One controller Paul Fox. Fox described anti Catholic prejudice as being, quote, deeply um, embedded in the corporation in Northern Ireland and said the British people were never told the truth about the Troubles because, quote, the bloody Protestants were running it. And, I mean, Paul, who's now Sir Paul, uh, he was the controller of BBC One, and the titbits from the documentary will be interesting again for our younger listeners. You know, obviously, you know, people like me who grew up through this, but it is interesting to see these things confirmed by facts at the time. You know, I mean, in, in during the Troubles, Fox was the editor of Panorama, and he said that, you know, it was impossible to tell the story of the oppression of Northern Catholics properly. In fact, it was impossible to tell it at all. And Martin Bell and Dennis Tui are two other sort of very important BBC figures who are... Uh, Martin Bell, who was a BBC journalist and then became Yeah, went on to become the MP, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, who was sort of a, a crusader for integrity. And uh, Bell, Bell um, said that whenever he went to the North, he said, I hardly knew the difference between Belfast and Dublin. But on arrival at BBC Belfast, I was ordered to call Derry Londonderry and never to refer to the province as the sixth count. He says that was, quote, Republican speak. He said, I had the controller of BBC Northern Ireland breathing over my shoulder at all times. And uh, Dennis, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, like, like, it is important. We've had well, this no, but it's funny before. when you, it's fun, what came into my head there and why I laughed was I pictured, and you see that someone like Bell, who'd been all around the world, and that being a threat in the kind of insular little, in, in, in insular little society, protective society that yeah. uh, he he found himself in. You know, I think that's one of those, it's just a very, it's a very clear image of somebody um, feeling that this, this, this guy is, is a, is a maverick, is a loose cannon. He could, he could say anything here. He could, he might even say the words six counties and all hell will break loose. Well, I mean, he was also, he, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, sort of, it wasn't uh, empty talk. I mean, he was beaten up by a group of loyalists and his cameramen mm -hmm. were beaten up by them. Uh, and that was after the Reverend Ian Paisley had called the BBC the Papist Broadcasting Corporation. The Papist Broadcasting Corporation, you know, in a way, delightfully funny. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Dennis, Dennis too, he was the first Catholic in any reporting or production post when he joined the BBC Northern Ireland. Right. He was the very first Catholic. And he he says in the documentary, look, the grievances of the Catholic people and housing, voting rights, etc., had little or no traction. And he was moved to BBC Current Affairs in London pretty quickly because he said they were afraid that... Uh, you know, they were continually censoring his output and they were afraid that this man was going to be telling the truth about what was going on. And he then expected to be returned to the North on a particular story. And this is what he says. But my editor called me into his office, shut the door and said, I could not now go. 
since BBC Northern Ireland had protested at the highest level in London about me. I was appalled. It was because I'd been a news reporter there for several years. It was because I was a Catholic. I was going to Derry on a story, not London Derry, and the Unionists simply would not allow that to happen. And uh, I mean, that that that's that's where we were with it, you know. And I can go back to these apologists that we have in the south, you know, the 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 uh, apologists and Fine Gael and the various sort of commentators who seem to get undue prominence in the media. You know, Fox said back back then. Right. When I was the managing director of BBC Television by this stage in the 70s, the only thing we could not tackle was Northern Ireland. The decision had been taken that the head of Northern Ireland programmes would act as the censor. It was more difficult to film there than in the Soviet Union. <laughs> <laughs> it was easier to go to America with no censorship to film their race problems than the race problems in Northern Ireland. And... And so, you know, that formed the backdrop to what was going on as well. And it's it's important to understand that when people in the South are saying, why, why are uh, the DUP and the UUP and the Loyalists, why are they railing against a stadium for the GAA, which was promised, you know? And well, are they railing? Because you say, you know, it, it's you link those... You know what happened in the seventies to Casement Park, and people would, or to people talking about Irish language signs, and you know, in some ways, I can see what you're saying, but in other ways, these seem to be kind of such smaller. Like these aren't these aren't life and death. These aren't existential. These aren't. Uh, there are culture wars in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Is it not too much to say that this is a continuation of the of those sectarian? times of the 70s because it's not uh it's not the same level of of uh no but that's, uh, that, uh, that's but that's only because that's only because the demographic has been transformed you know that's only because of the emergence of Sinn Féin it's only because the the peace process all of those things like they've had they've had to be dragged kicking and screaming you know and and I think that it is important the way it's presented in the north as well I mean Leo Varadkar uh, was interviewed in the BBC Northern Ireland by Tara Mills. And I don't know if you saw um, Trevor Burney's tweet this week about the, the documentary that we've been discussing about how the BBC was loaded, you know, the bias, the fact that it was utterly dominant, dominated by people from the, the, the Protestant community. But Trevor Burney tweeted this week, he said... Um, I just want to get the exact quote. He said, if you check, he said, you'll see that the religious makeup of BBC NI's senior management team remains largely unchanged. And, I mean, it was no surprise when Leo Varadkar was being interviewed the other day about the um, huge, almost a billion uh, euro that's been committed to the North. I mean, and that includes 600 million for the A5 Northwest Transport Corridor, mm -hmm. you know, which of course, you know, West Tyrone all there. As John Hume famously said, if you want to know the sectarian makeup in the North, look at where the motorways go to, mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, it's now taken a half a billion handout from the, the Irish government, which is extremely welcome. 
to 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 develop to redevelop you know one of the most dangerous roads in the north um 50 million towards casement park i'll come back to that you know 10 million in what's described on the irish government's website as a renewed visitor experience <laughs> at the battle of the Boyd site due to reflect its unique historic significance to communities <laughs> Why, of course, why, that's driving why are you the finding that so funny? That's driving them completely mad. <laughs> I don't see why that's I so mean, funny. A Dutch, I mean, the celebration of a Dutch homosexual prince, William of Orange, with an army supplied by the French, <laughs> by King Louis <laughs> the Fourteenth, <laughs> which actually occurred on the 11th of July, not even the 12th. <laughs> And, and when they had an overwhelming superiority of trips, 24,000 to a mere 12,500, you know, and, uh, and that's that's the sort of thing that, that, that's being celebrated. And, uh, and even notwithstanding that, even notwithstanding that, uh, the Irish government's uh, attempts to sort of reach the hand across and say, look, you know, we're going to do this also, um, still... You know, it, uh, it 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 just drives them mental. They just cannot help themselves. You know, the idea that you know Ireland is now a very prosperous, modern sort of juggernaut um, is is it's just very difficult to bear. You know, and so Casement Park has become like the Irish language. You know, it's become the sort of the sea border, the irrelevant sea border that all of a sudden nobody cares about anymore, you know. And when uh, the Taoiseach, uh, Mr. Faradkar, said on BBC to Tara Mills, look, we've given the guts of a billion pounds towards projects in the north with no ulterior motive. You know what she said to him? No. Are you not worried what unionists might think? <laughs> but is that not reflecting that and, there's a people uh, in the in the north who who will have have issues with it? Like you know, that's like we shouldn't be like in the Battle of the Boyne, giving ten million towards that. Does, well, it's like saying you know, it's like saying, look, you know, have you taken into account what the Ku Klux? Well, it's not a unionist. I don't think if you if you were bringing in if you were bringing in if you were bringing in anti-racist laws. Uh, I mean, you, 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 you at 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 Windsor Park now, um, and I'll come back to all of the package that 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 caused Windsor Park to be redeveloped into a state-of-the-art modern soccer stadium, uh, which was part of the package that was supposed to do the same for Casement. They now have no Casement banners unfurled there. The DUP's uh, North Down MLA Stephen Dunn said, "Well, we support a joint Euro 2028, but but we oppose any plans to allocate additional resources to meet the GA shortfall in the Casement Park project from budgets at a time when hospitals and schools need, need additional and necessary resources." And that's been echoed by, you know, the sort of the PUL, the Protestant Unionist Loyalist community, and. You know, it's only a few years ago, two years ago, that 55 million was allocated to the Dundonald Ice Bowl in East Belfast, which is run by the Lisburn and Castlereagh Borough Council, which is absolutely unionist dominated. Plus an additional 12 million 
in funding from the UK Exchequer, so £67 million to redevelop Dundonald Ice Bowl, which is an ice rink used by the Belfast Giants. And people go there and do some recreational skating, etc. And there was no issue then about hard-pressed public funds or resources. You know, there were no complaints across the community. You know, it's a very, very Protestant loyalist area. And good luck to them. There's no problem with that. The Lisburn and Castlereagh Council's chief executive, David Burns, described the investment as a landmark commitment. While the DUP mayor, Andrew Gowan, said, as the only Olympic-sized ice rink <laughs> in Northern Ireland, if it was tiddly, if it was if it was a tiddlywink stadium in East Belfast, they would have given it the the sixty-seven million. As the only Olympic-sized ice rink in Northern Ireland, it is the training home for the Belfast Giants and provides unique facilities for elite ice skaters. Do you know how many elite ice skaters there are in the north? Not a, not enough, not enough is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Yes. Ulster says yes to elite ice skaters. After 37 years, he said the building is no longer fit for purpose. And today's announcement means we will see an exciting new facility open to the public in 2026. And the East Belfast MP Gavin Robinson on the DUP website, the 26th of September 2023. DUP welcomed the announcement of over 60 million in public funds to redevelop Dundonald Ice Bowl. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <laughs> he said, he said, he said, I can't resist it. Us will be a development warmly welcomed by people in East Belfast and beyond. A new facility. Please use it. A new facility will ensure that the ice bowl will remain at the heart of leisure provision from Dundonald. <laughs> and hope and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and hopefully many more people will take to the ice in years to come. Hopefully. And uh and, and and yet and yet within within a few weeks the DUP uh was expressing their very grave concerns about the Casement Park project. The Ulster Unionist Party said in October twenty twenty three. We have serious concerns about this work, whether it can be completed on time to deliver a suitable stadium in Belfast. And 
allocation of funding during a period of severe financial hardship is a disgrace. Now, see, but but I will I will I will say this I will say this, Dion. Who needs the DUP? Who needs loyalism when you have Matt Cooper? Oh. Yes, Matt, friend of friend of loyalism. He wrote in the Business Post there. It's a hell of a big price for such little return. The DUP leader, Jeffrey Donaldson, said it's not the job or the responsibility of the Republic's government to provide financial support for the provision of public services and general Northern Ireland infrastructure. That is a matter for the UK government and must be done so in accordance with our needs base, as set out in evidence provided by the UK government. And went on to lambaste uh, Casement Park getting additional funding. Matt, it is not unreasonable to see from where he is coming. Well, go on. Yeah, what, what did Cri- he say? This Let's is see. Matt Cooper. Yeah. It is not unreasonable to see from where he is coming. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said, the new ground will be the central location, not just for Antrim GA, but for the Ulster Council, one that serves nine counties, not six, three of which happen to be in the Republic. But at what price? It is not hard to see the political intent at play here. And... Uh, no, and, and and you have this thread, this anything, anything that that that's going to be. So what was sorry, but let's finish, finish. Past. What was the point? What was Matt Cooper's argument about Caseman? Because there is there is an argument to be made that isn't was, that isn't uh, one yeah, driven it, by it's, unionism. It's the, it's the DUP argument. He he actually quotes extensively the DUP leader Jeffrey Donaldson, and then says it's not unreasonable to see from where he is coming. So it's the DUP argument. You know, I mean, Matt Matt's been there many many times, but and um, you know. The idea, the idea that that in Belfast, the second biggest city in Ireland, that and particularly let let let's look at the history of what happened with Casement. Okay, so the history was there was chronic underinvestment and in fact, essentially zero investment in GA facilities by from public funds. So we were all paying our taxes, but the GA was getting absolutely nothing in return. You know, apart from lambasted as the IRA at play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. What happened then was uh, a case was taken under the Government of Ireland Act uh, because there were thousands of uh, soccer facilities publicly funded, but no public GA grounds, no public GA facilities, and no money devoted to that, you know, in spite of the fact that we were, at that point in time, 40 45% of the population. So the plan then was to allow, to allocate funds to make up for a lot of that, to allow Casement Park to be redeveloped. Casement Park had to be knocked down, as you know. I mean, it was a dilapidated eyesore. And at that point in time, to ensure that everything was smooth, the GAA linked up with the, the, the Ulster Rugby Football Union and the IFA to ensure that both of those also ended up with state-of-the-art stadia. And that is precisely what happened in the in the case of the Irish Football Association. The GA actually sat down with them and helped them to draft their bid for the redevelopment. And so what happened was the uh, Ravenhill ended up with a state-of-the-art small rugby stadium. Didn't have to contribute a penny themselves. All of the money was, came from public funds. Windsor Park ended up a state-of-the-art small soccer stadium. And... Casement Park, which in a way is a metaphor for the neglect of my community, 
Casement Park has now got elephant grass growing there and uh, has completely fallen apart. And uh, and yet, just last week, we've started the clean-up to get ready to build a new stadium. And the new, the new stadium will be built, compare what Matt Cooper says. Belfast is the second city in Ireland and needs a major stadium. It'll be used for a music venue, you know, as a music venue for top bands coming from all over the world. It's going to be used for the Euros. We know now that uh, with Charlotte Burns at the helm, one of the first things that's going to happen is a new initiative to open up all GA grounds for other sports uh, to bring us in line, I suppose, with, with, uh, with uh, you know, ideas of liberalism and, and equality. And it, it will be a massive economic driver in an area that has been traditionally underprivileged. I mean, it was described by, um, it's been described in uh, in archives that were released this week. And I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw uh, the the post by Alison Morris. No. The, 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 the sort of very well-respected Northern journalist. Uh, the former head of the Northern Ireland Civil Service has had to defend remarks he made about West Belfast being a ghetto in the 80s. Comments by Sir Kenneth Bloomfield in 1987 were made in a memo to then Secretary of State Tom King amid efforts to tackle poverty, unemployment and paramilitarism in the overwhelmingly nationalist area of West Belfast. Um, Bloomfield said at the time, what makes this area unique is the scale and concentration of these problems and their very close association with grave political and security difficulties, the strengths of Paris and Fein and their influence in the area. What do you expect out of a, out of a poverty-stricken, oppressed ghetto? The alienation of a large section of the population from the institutes, institutions of government and from normal civilised behaviour. That's, 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 that's how he's describing the people of West Belfast. Their alienation from normal civilised behaviour, their ghetto mentality. This is human beings in West Belfast, almost half a million of them, and the widespread sense of hopelessness and lack of faith in the government's interests in the problem. You know, and so, you know, we, in a way, you know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what Matt Cooper thinks. It doesn't really matter what the Ulster Unionist Party thinks or the Democratic Unionist Party thinks. The stadium is going to be built, and I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of what um, our 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 secretary, our secretary of state, said about it uh, just a few months ago. He says, "Never mind, you know, don't 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 worry about this. We'll find the money. The stadium will be will be built." That's the conservative secretary of state, and. The disappointing thing, I suppose, is that we're going to just have to run the gauntlet of this, you know, loyalist sort of bombardment yet again. Instead of saying, look, this is brilliant, you know, Sir Jeffrey should be saying, look, this is fantastic. I'm looking forward to being there for the first game in the Euros that's played there. And in fact, I've taken up an invitation to attend uh, to attend the first round of the Ulster Championship and the and the first Ulster final in Casement Park, you know what an occasion that will be. And uh, and instead of that, 
it's it's the usual sort of sectarian sniping and and playing to their own constituency. I mean, Gregory Campbell, when he was the minister for sport, previously, whenever Stormont had been up and running for a while, and there was some enthusiasm for what was developing then, particularly under the guidance of Peter Robinson, was the DUP who was. Uh, who who was taking a markedly different approach, a modernist approach to things. That's what did for him in the end. You know, they got rid of him because he was far too sort of non-sectarian for their like. But when Gregory was the minister, I remember St. Bridget's opened our, uh, we're opening our pitches up in the Malone Road. And Gregory had to come along as the minister for, for sport and I mean, it was a very intensely awkward occasion for him, you know. We had Irish dancers, you know, we had the full thing, the you know, you had your national anthem, you have all of that. We were very, very respectful. We were delighted to see him there. I I was in the sort of party that, that was there to meet him and couldn't have been more convivial with him and uh, spoke to him about the significance of it, you know, and, that, that I was delighted that he was there and, uh, you know, I would go to any sporting fixture with him that he ever wanted me to go to and it was terrific to see him there and we appreciated it very much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And then, you know, you know where this all ends, like Gregory just can't help himself. I suppose in a way they've, they've put themselves into a corner over the years. But he then, about September last year, was attacking Casement, you know, because it's always, it's, you know, it's always an easy sell to your constituents, you know, I'll have a go at Casement here. And uh, he said that uh, the GA will need to up its game and the Irish government will need to pony up about 35 million if Casement Park in Belfast is going to be redeveloped. Okay, mm. he said, and that was on, that was on RT's news at one, because, you know, Gregory can, Gregory can come on to RT whenever he wishes, as you know. He's like the Israeli ambassador or any Israeli spokesperson. I'm sure he was invited on. He and uh, issue request. Oh, of, of course he was. Of course he was. You know, no doubt he was interviewed by Matt Cooper afterwards, you know. Anyway, Gregory was talking about Casement Park and he was saying, well, he said the, the, the uh, Irish government, he says, are going to have to pony up, he says, because... Um, we are not going to have those sorts of resources. And uh, if the GA up their game to 12 or 15 million, and if your own government can pony up another 25 to 30 million, that should release sufficient money from the treasurer in London to finish this and develop other grounds as well. And when he meant develop other grounds as well, he's talking about amateur soccer facilities in the north. Uh, I don't know if you heard um, Jim Shannon of the DUP at the select committee last week. <laughs> he said that the casement money should be used for amateur soccer clubs in the north. And uh, now, of course, the Irish government has seen Gregory's 30 million and raised it to 50 million. Mm. But you see, the thing is, when you talk... You... And, and, instead, and, instead of, and instead of him saying, well, look, fair play... Fair play, Fair you know, play. it's a massive investment. That's all he's got to say. Fair that play. Means now, that, me, that means now that there's roughly 70 million between the GAA and the Irish government 
for a stadium that'll probably cost one four five one fifty now, uh, and yet, you know, this is now being used just like the Irish language, is just as as you know. And it, it, it's so we see, Joe, what I would say, what, what all it all it all it does is damage relationships. What I would say that's you know, different about this and the Irish language, where there is no real uh, argument at all for you know from, from the point of view of of those who oppose Irish language signs, it's it's <clears throat> it's clearly just something that people are threatened by. But there is when somebody like Jim Shannon says, you know, this could be used for amateur soccer clubs or whatever. That is a point of view that if it wasn't in the north. It would actually be one that people would want would would be advancing without being accused of tribalism because in this in in this that's, that's not well, no, correct. hold on that's, let me finish hold correct. on a second that, Joe, there is hold no on a second there is no Joe, let me finish there my is point. no there is no fit for purpose GA stadium Joe, in the six counties fin- that's all not I said one. I said I'm talking about I'm talking about when you talk about this money that's going there to develop Caseman Park for the European Championships there are lots of people in the south who opposed um, any bid to host the European Championships in 2028 because they felt Irish football wasn't some it wasn't something that Irish football was in a position to get involved in and they would look at the money going the 50 million going to Caseman Park um to develop it in time for the European Championships and go is there not a better is there is there another is there something else that that money could have gone towards that is and that that is a different point that but what I'm saying is that the reason that these things now these points can now be made in term it can be framed in a, in a tribal way is because of what remain you know that that sort of sectarian legacy that is still there because i think when i read when i read people northern irish northern ireland football fans saying that they they would like uh you know they they would like a legacy from hosting the euros to be something you know that isn't that isn't just a, a a gaa stadium legacy i kind of go okay if you if you remove if you remove the the, the rea- if you remove the one fact that you've said there where Ravenhill got developed, Windsor Park got developed, and the GA community hasn't had any development, um, that's one thing, and that's that's clearly something that needs to be rectified. But in terms of the European Championships, I can see that point of view until these that's until these I mean, stadiums it, it, become it, it, something like is it the case that you know that the GEA in the north. They want it's like we want our own white elephant. You've got Parky Queeve down there. Give us a white elephant. Give us a thirty thousand stadium how, that nobody's how, going to ever go to. How dare you? How dare you? I mean, uh, the RF, the Ulster Rugby Union didn't contribute a penny towards the redevelopment of, of Ravenhill. Not a penny, and there wasn't a word of criticism from anyone, and there wasn't a word of criticism from anyone in my community for that. We're very supportive of what happened there. It's wonderful to see a state-of-the-art uh, stadium there for Ulster Rugby and its home, you know, in a very vibrant part of leafy South Belfast. And, you know, we, that, that is not begrudged in the slightest. This is simple sectarianism, Dion. And in relation to, you know, your uh, suggestion there that this is about concern for public funds, well, that is just complete, absolute bollocks it's got nothing to do with that i've already spoken to you about the 65 million going on a dun, on a, on the dundonald ice ball you know which <laughs> i mean and and the redevelopment of, of, of windsor park which was fully supported by my community and fully supported by the gaa this is plain 
and simple sectarianism. Just got time to get that result between Crusaders and Distillery. Sammy Braithwaite is there very briefly. Sammy, can you give us the result of that one? Well, first of all, let me say this. The result of this game may be the only thing that you're interested in, but do not assume for one minute that it reflects all of the concerns of all of the people of Northern Ireland. Yes, absolutely, Sammy. We're just a wee bit strapped for time. If you wouldn't mind just giving us the score. Well, that is sort of sensationalist line of questioning that has dogged this province for decades. Yes. Did the distillery win, Sammy? Well, whether they won or didn't win is not the issue. Well, actually it is. The people have a right to hear both sides of the story. You don't have time, I'm afraid, Sammy. The Crusaders win. I am not going to be drawn into a yes or a no answer on this issue. It was nil-nil, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, there you go. Another stalemate. That's it. We've run out of time. Don't forget to tune in to our exclusive live coverage of the thrills and spills that make up the Balmoral Festival, featuring the spectacular egg and spoon steeplechase cup in association with Moy Park chickens. You can already feel the tension. Good night. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.